uh, I'm going to tell you that Google doesn't hire people anymore that study computer science. They may hire them, but that is not their predominant concern. Their predominant concern is their soft skills. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. My guest today is Nikos, and I will not introduce him any further because in today's episode, we're going to actually find out a lot more about him that I would be able to say during an introduction. The only thing that I will say is that he has been recommended to me by his lovely wife, Tatiana, who was a guest on one of my previous episodes. And uh, being that she is lovely, I would imagine that he is very similar because otherwise they wouldn't have been married together for so long. Welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, Nikos Chrysostomo. Thank you very much. And I I know that I'm going to enjoy this, this journey and it will be memorable. So, Nikos, you are born in Cyprus. Cyprus is an island. When did you leave the island for the first time? For the first time uh, ever. Uh, I mean, to live abroad, you mean? No, generally. When did you go on a trip? No, in general, the first trip I ever took was uh, when I was 13. My family and I moved to Holland. So first and second years of uh, high school, we did in in the Netherlands because my father was on a special mission on behalf of the Cyprus government with uh, an institute in The Hague called the Institute of Social Studies. So that's why... Uh, my parents decided that this time my father is not going to go on his own on a on a on a long trip. He will take the whole family. So we he packed us in a car in 1967, and we traveled through the junta in Greece. Wow! And then uh, Yugoslavia, and then suddenly something came alive, which was the sound of music when we entered. Austria. Amazing. And and the immediate reaction was, oh my God, it's like we were living once again the movie that we had just recently seen, Sound of Music. Amazing. So you were 13, you said. That is a yes. difficult age, really, because that's the age when you are, you know, at the be at the beginning of your teenage years, you have friends. You did you how did you feel? Did you feel okay leaving everything? And uh it's an excellent question because something you don't know, and I'm about to tell you, is that in primary school, almost every year I went to a different primary school. So we were gypsies within Cyprus all these years. I even during nursery school, believe it or not, there were nursery schools then. Uh, I changed two nursery schools and then several primary schools. So in some ways, uh, change was not a difficult thing for anyone in the family. We are three brothers, three different personalities, but we have this in common. We root and unroot easily. This help. This teaches you to adapt, and uh, you know it's it's the ones yeah. that the ones that survive are not the strongest, but the ones who know how how to adapt. So I I I, I say it differently. As I told you before, we learn how to root and unroot easily. 
Yeah, but not everybody does. Some people have difficulties. No. Yeah, some people have see a psychiatrist for all their lives with big changes. <laughs> so you don't need to do that. I need psychiatrist for something else, but not for this. <laughs> what for? <laughs> no, sometimes I find myself that I overstress myself and I become less productive than I uh, okay. am supposed to. That's probably one of the things that you mentioned at the beginning if I want if I want to say something or not, but I'm not afraid to say it. That's okay. Listen, I I believe, to be honest, getting help, no matter what it is, is a sign of strength and not a sign of weakness. And I think when we feel that we need help, we should get help always. Yeah, I didn't ask for help yet, but I thought about it many times. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? What happened after Holland? You said you stayed two years. Then then we came here uh and we went to the English school in Nicosia. Okay. And um It was a big change in our lives because if you imagine Cyprus in 1967 is not Cyprus in 2023. Mm -hmm. And that's neither here nor there. But what was the big difference, which we realize now, but we hadn't really thought about it much through all these years. One of the things that we learned again, not realizing we learned it, is that when we were in Cyprus at that age, if any, any one of my brothers or I wanted to cross a street that there was only one car a day that went by, we lived in Paphos at that time on a side street, wonderful place that were orchards where we lived. We had an orchard at the house we were renting. And um, if we wanted to cross the street, my mother would come to the gate and observe me crossing a street that, I, as I told you, one car a day went by. Amazing. So suddenly we go to Holland, and the big question we have today is, what happened to our parents that we never remember them panicking when suddenly me and one of my brothers would have to catch a bus and then a tram to go outside of The Hague to go to school and come back late afternoon. So there was a big contrast between how much we were entrusted, uh, trusted uh, a few months before, and suddenly we are free. We didn't think of it in those terms, but I can tell you now that we realize that one of the great experiences is living in a country much more modern than the Cyprus and Cyprus was we, without realizing, we learned how to manage our freedom i i think i can i can uh, agree with that because i'm from switzerland and in switzerland kids little kids walk to kindergarten at the age of five and uh, you know they know the way they walk they yeah. wear a little thing that so the, so they you know they can be seen their and identity here, as well and here we drive the kids to school until they're 19 That's probably the big difference. Now, is it good? Is it bad? We don't know. Who are we to judge? We never, we will never. There are excuses because uh, there are other reasons that come to play is that we are the most dangerous drivers in the world, at least as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, I think there are dangerous drivers everywhere, but I don't live everywhere. I live here. Yeah, so no, I, don't I, understand. Sound... I agree with you. I mean, some people yeah. are. Really... I don't want to sound like I'm against my own culture. I'm not. But, no. but but where I live, 
I see a lot of irresponsible behavior on the streets, and I'm sure I see it elsewhere as well, but I don't leave it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I agree with you that it is here. And I sometimes really wonder, because I've been living here for many, many years. I love living here. And I feel that there is there is a lot of unnecessary stress here in Cyprus. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you do to... Um, on stress or to regulate your stress what are your hobbies nikos i can tell you the things i like i don't i don't i don't necessarily call them hobbies i i i can tell you about the things i like music is a very important part in my life i through the years i got involved with singing i sang with uh, in limassol you know the cantadas during the Carnival. Uh, carnival. And so I, for a few years, I sang with one of the groups very well known in Limassol, the most traditional group, the Yorgaletti. So that's one thing. The other thing I put uh, as part of my daily life, bicycle is, is not necessarily a, a hobby, but it's rather a, a, an, 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 an integral part of my life. I don't know that I have, shamefully, I, as we speak, I cannot identify anything as a hobby. Yeah, well, I think cycling means being in nature, and I think being in nature always helps you regulate stress. Yeah, but I use it on, on my, uh, instead of a car, I use a bicycle, so. Fine, it's part of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part Maybe it goes, goes back to your time in Holland. Maybe. <laughs> I didn't have a bicycle then, but yeah, but, but yeah, no. So, but my 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 children live in Holland. Uh, I have two sons that live there and work there. Yeah. So we visit Holland quite often. So. Yeah, I like Holland a lot. Yeah. Tell me, talk. Let's talk a little bit about traveling, because um, after you finished school, did you study abroad? Yes, I first went. England, but I lived 18 years in the United States. 18 years in the United States? Yes, Where about? In Phoenix, Arizona. Wow, that's far. I always yeah. feel like when you're on the East Coast, it's easier to travel back to Cyprus, but when you are further away, it's quite the way, isn't it? But but but, but I, that's very interesting that you said far. I, I never measured it as such. No, uh, I, I guess it has everything to do with the way I grew up. And so distance was never an issue. I guess it would have been an issue for my parents, either financially or not seeing me as often as they would. But I, I don't remember my parents panicking that I was going to go so far. They were more interested to see that I'm doing something that I that I am pleased with that I like. So it's interesting. This is the first time I think about it. I don't remember them worrying that I was going to go so far. And <laughs> I don't remember myself worrying that I was going to go travel with Christopher Columbus to America. That's amazing. And that also means that you went to do something that you wanted to do and your parents supported what you wanted to do. So yeah. existence didn't yeah. really matter. I studied architecture. Yes. At a, the at a very famous architect's school, which had specific characteristics that 
matched my peculiarities, although I didn't think so the first days I was there. It was a place that only, there were only, I, I think at the time when I was there, there were only 30 students. And uh, it was a, it was not just the school, it was a way of life. We were obliged to live in a tent in the Arizona desert because the logic was, at least at the time when I was there, that the first project that I would present to a committee at the school was design and build my first home, which would be my desert shelter and not a tent. Your habitat—that's so, amazing. Yes. So at the beginning it was shocking because the only thing I would remember living in a tent was the army, and I was thinking maybe it's about time I go home. But then a couple of weeks later I got used to it. Everybody was telling stories about rattlesnakes and pack rats and and all these uh, wild animals and coyotes that I could hear at night. But I became very adjusted very quickly. I I was one of the few that didn't use a flashlight to go to my tent because one of the interesting things about the desert were the paths, you can see the paths very easily because they they are kind of white in relation to the rest of the right. of the desert. So it was an amazing experience that no I cannot identify how it affected me, but it most definitely it affected my life and the way I I still live my life. That is an amazing story. I mean, going to study abroad for any kid and not doesn't matter where from is a is a change, you know. Is and 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 then actually yeah. going to study and living in the desert. That is that. But I think that definitely broadens the horizon, anything like that broadens the horizon. I, I want to clarify one thing, which, which comes up as we speak. I'm, I'm checking myself. You That's know, what and, we were saying before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I want to say that uh, even except the first few days where I had to keep all my clothing in, in, uh, in a kind of a closet space. It was a room where we kept our clothes because we couldn't keep them in the tents. And uh, we had to be careful also not to keep any food because then pack rats and all these other animals and uh, and uh, scorpions and things would come to the food. But uh, I don't remember a cultural shock except these first two weeks, so which that, I don't know what that means. Yeah, but you know, that comes back to being easily adaptable again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, you're probably one of these people. And I am a little bit similar because I was a tour guide for 11 years. And I feel like mm-hmm. you can drop me anywhere and I will be fine. I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah. And and something that hasn't come up yet uh, is that all these years, I traveled half the world for work. I I spent time in China. I spent time in Bangladesh, Pakistan, India. I recently worked in Lebanon. I before Lebanon I worked in Serbia. And you know I I I must be honest and say while I'm telling you this I sound like I'm bragging but that's not my purpose. This is a fact. This yeah. Is, but yeah. none of these things were a big shock to me. 
It was like uh, uh, it came. I came across this opportunity. I took it. I don't remember having to, uh, you know, meditate to think. Okay, do I want to do this? When it came, I did it. I, I think, but you see, I think these are the people who, the most adventurous people, because if you if you think about something, if somebody offers you something and you think about it too long, your subconscious mind will always want to keep you in the comfort zone, and it will always say, "Don't yeah, go, yeah. don't go, don't go," because you're gonna. This is gonna happen, and the scorpions, and I don't know what, and the war, and I don't know what. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the more we think, the more the the less we do, and I think this is people's general. This is what holds people back. Well, you know, that, it's interesting. Uh, no, while you're speaking, I'm thinking how much of what you're saying I can relate to. And, the, and and it has nothing to do with you saying it, but it has everything to do with how I, I lived my life. In some ways, there was a danger I could make the wrong, the wrong move. But as far as I'm concerned, I didn't. Yeah. Do you, yeah, do you, you understand see? what I'm saying? I do understand. And I also understand that I am sure that sometimes you found yourself in a place where you thought, oh, my God, how, how did I get myself in here? But then you also decided to make the best of it. Uh, I didn't. But I, I found myself in situations where they needed special handling. But it wasn't part of a regret that I shouldn't have been doing this. Yeah. You so you always... no, I want I want to share something with you that it becomes stronger and stronger as I I grow as I grow up, and yeah. uh, because I'm still growing up, and uh, and also that is part of what I do with the people that I meet at my work, and we will talk about that in a little bit. Is that I am absolutely convinced it may not be called a radar. But we are all born with a radar. What does the radar do? It collects information and it projects information. So if we learn how to tune this radar, then we survive regardless of the situation. And what do I mean by that? You come into a space, you know nobody. If you are somebody who's uh, going to first tell themselves, but I'm, who are these people? I, I never have this question in my mind. I just take the moment as it comes to me. So not before long, I'm already part of what's going on there. I don't know. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Yes. Yes. So because of, for whatever reason, I work this way, I don't remember... I have bad experiences, obviously, but I don't remember them as bad experiences because I made the wrong choice. And you took responsibility for taking the wrong choice, making the wrong choice. I didn't choice. have a choice. I mean, taking responsibility is part of what you do to come out of a bad situation. Absolutely. But don't you agree also with me that many people never take responsibility and always blame somebody else for what happens to them? Uh, I agree with you, but I don't care. Okay. There's nothing I can do about them. It, Very true. I want to talk about. I want yeah. to talk about that radar that you mentioned. Yes. Because I like that. I like that. It's a metaphor, really. It's it's. Yes. So obviously, how, I I don't have antennas yet. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How do you improve or develop that radar? Um. That's a good question. 
Uh, first of all, for many years, I thought you're born with it and that's it. Okay? The more I learn, because I, I take what I do and what we're going to talk in a little bit, what I do, I take it very seriously. Very seriously. So that's why I don't take for granted my philosophy. I have a philosophy and I, it's, still, it's still developing. So one day I realized, and I call it a radar because it more or less works like a radar. And I'm trying to convey this message to the young people and parents that come to me because the better this radar works, the more chances you have in being successful in whatever it is that you're going to involve yourself. And as you know, as you probably know already from all the things you're involved in, what makes one successful is the soft skills, the skills of communication. And this, the radar has all these qualities. Okay, and so uh, what I said, you walk into a room and it takes about a second to know where you are and how to handle the situation. Is it a situation that requires you to say something or to keep your trap shut? Do you understand? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and also, is are the questions that you have the right question to ask now? Or should you wait a little bit longer? So each situation has its own rules. And the radar helps you touch the rules up in the air. I mean, there are times you can make a mistake, obviously. But in general, it's very hard to make a mistake when you cultivate and you, and you tune this radar to receive information and then for you to project information. Amazing. I don't know if I answered your question. You, I, I totally get you. And I understand because we're getting closer to wanting to talk about what you do. And you mentioned the word soft skills, which is yes. emotion, emotional intelligence. And in today's world, with all the artificial intelligence that we are exposed to, I think developing soft skills and, and becoming more emotionally intelligent is the key to success. It's the only key to success. I want to tell you that, uh, as I told you, for many years, I thought some people are born to be a certain way. Well, it's been evident from the people that I read and from the people I meet that, that it's cultivated. If you don't naturally have it, it might take you a little time and a little bit of perseverance to, to learn it, but it's, it's something that can be learned. Mm -hmm. I want to also tell you that recently I went to a presentation by this amazing man that I never knew such people existed, that all these things that I tried to communicate with people, I thought they were my ideas based <laughs> on my family, which is total, pardon the expression, bullshit. It has nothing, nothing that I say is mine. Okay. So this guy talked about multi-intelligence. I never heard of this term. And, and there is such a thing as multi-intelligence. Just having a very high IQ is not an instrument to survive. A high IQ in combination with all these other things, the multi-intelligence elements, 
His voice is going to take you where you started to go, and you might not even know where you're going, but you're going to get someplace. Mm. Am I I clear? You're totally clear. But the big question that comes here now is the school system, the school curriculum, and the stuff that our kids learn. There isn't really much soft, there aren't really many soft skills and there isn't really much emotional intelligence developed in our current school system. Do you think it needs a, a, an, um, an update? Listen, recently I was invited by uh, one TV station and I I have to be careful, but I will, I will be clear. Although I know I have to be careful because some people, I am not an expert on all aspects relating to education, okay? But, but can I say that I'm an expert on, on my experiences? Sure. Okay. The educational system is a disaster. <laughs> That's what I agree with you. <laughs> no, I want, I want to tell you why. Yeah. One of the biggest problems, both in private and in state education, is this what is called parallel education, para. Parapedia is in Greek, so I would imagine in English would be parallel education. What are we depriving our children of? We are actually depriving them of learning. We are only forcing information down their throat through this parallel education, which becomes necessary, I would imagine, because something is wrong with the schools. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. There are, we're not talking about the teachers. There are different teachers, different levels, different ways. Some of them are talented to be teachers. But being a good historian doesn't mean you're a good teacher. No. But being a good historian, a good teacher, the kids that you would teach, they don't only learn history, but they learn to communicate with their teacher and they learn from the attitude of the teacher other things beyond history. Do you understand me? Yes. So what is happening today? Many kids that come to me with grades up to the sky, fantastic grades, they don't know how to study. So when they go to a university at the university, you don't have somebody to push information down your throat. You say it's up to you. So if it's up to you, it's a big disaster because some of them don't survive. That's why I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we're here. We are actually um, talking about what you do because what you do is helping young people kind of find their way, or, or yes. you know, like supporting and helping them in choosing their what they want to study. Yes, I don't choose it for them, obviously. No. And I, I, I want to clarify one thing. Very often, third parties call. Uh, or they say that what I do is career guidance. I I, I am not in career guidance. It's not, at the level of of the kids that I see, I cannot be involved in career guidance. Although many of the things we say may direct towards a career, but the career is a totally different story. So what I do is. I I do what Cristoforo Colombo did. I find the orientation and I navigate. I help them navigate towards that. So we're living in times where big companies, Netflix, 
Spotify, Google, don't choose people because of their of their direction they took in their studies, but they choose them of how well they manage their studies. And there are skills there beyond uh, learning mathematics, computer science. There are other skills that you learn while you're in, in university. So big companies take for granted that you have studied, let's say, computer science, but their interest is not computer science, is what else have you understood while you were studying and how well did you manage what you did? So if I was good in, in, in studying, I say computer science because uh, I'm going to tell you that Google doesn't hire people anymore that study computer science. They may hire them, but that is not their predominant concern. Their predominant concern is their soft skills. They know that somebody is employable from the moment they see them walking towards them because even our silence is a means of communication. And from our silence, people can learn a lot of things about us. Only silence is not enough, but silence is an instrument. Mm -hmm. When you mention like soft skills, maybe for people who are listening to us, it's uh, and and how they choose people. It's how they manage how they manage their emotions and how they manage other people's emotions. And yes. because everything else can be done with a machine in today's world. Absolutely, I find being young in, at this point that we are much harder than when we were young. Personally, myself, I never had any choice. I had to work because I had to earn money. Our kids, first of all, are exposed to social media. They are exposed to a lot of peer pressure. They are exposed to so many things. And I think it's much harder for them to regulate their emotions than it was for us. So what, like, what, what is your take on that? Or what do you recommend? What do you tell to a young person who finds it hard to, re to regulate? I, I just want to reinforce what you just said, and then I will tell you how I attempt to... Yeah. Yeah. To, uh, uh, it's not only our children that have a problem, it's parents have a problem as well, regardless of their level of education. The reason I say that, as parents, we carry a certain insecurity about the future of our children. So very often we think what guarantees, first of all, there are no guarantees. Yeah. But, but nevertheless, as parents, if I was going to advise your children, I may say the same things you say to your children, but because I'm not you, because who are you? You're somebody who are on top of them from morning until night, and inevitably you make mistakes. You might say one thing one more one time more than you should have, and that gets on their nerves. Sure. Okay. So yeah. in that sense, your relationship with the child is not your you're not the advisor, but you are just somebody who is more of a pain in the rear end <laughs> than 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 anything else. So as a non-parent to the children that come to me and the parents, is that I can say the same things, but because I'm kind of a peculiar looking guy and I believe I have the talent, at least with some of them to communicate at their level, they are more ready to be relaxed and to listen to what I say. 
Mm-hmm. Because some of them come to me and they're sure, I want to be an astronaut. Okay, no problem. Why? Where did you find that? So in the end, we don't discount the fact that he wants to be an astronaut, but we also add, let's look at other things as well. It doesn't mean you're going to do them, but in order to be sure that you're going to be an astronaut, you have to compare it to other things you haven't figured out that you can do. Mm-hmm. And, and quite often, they change their minds. They don't do what I tell them, but they start looking at things from another angle. Yeah. And this is what I mostly do. Now, yeah. with parents, many parents, not, not so many anymore, but at least those that come to me, they come in the hope that they will guide me how to guide their kids to become accountants. What they want them to be. Yeah, because they know that if I say it, maybe the kid will listen. Mm -hmm. So we have an agreement, at least with those that would listen to me. This is not going to work. I don't agree with you. Maybe your son, maybe the future is in the hands of the accountants, but maybe your son is not born to be an accountant. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? We force him to be an accountant because in your mind, only as an accountant, he will make a living. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, totally, totally. Seen it so, so many times. All my all my life, since I was in school, how people decide on a profession. So as far back as I can remember, most people I meet, especially if they have some interesting job, I ask them how how did they do that? How did they arrive to this? And this is not something new, because I want to tell you, one of the first organizations. Is it an organizations that did not pay attention to the area of study? It may come as a shock to you. Is the, I forget the official title now anyway, the Charter Accountancy, whatever. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Which began at the beginning of the, of the 20th century, as far as I remember. Yeah. They wanted people that went to university and they've done well. So they would choose the best of the best and they would give them the opportunity to do the training to become charter accountants. All my years, I thought charter accountants are those that go and study economics or business administration. It's not true. But that is correct. Do you understand? Because you need to learn about other things. And studying economics doesn't teach you a job. Mm-hmm. Studying business administration doesn't teach you a job. A job is not entailed of only the elements in one area of study, but of many other elements. So in that sense, what I do is I mostly present questions rather than answer questions. And you're planting a seed that may grow. That is that is what I always pray that I manage that to you do. do. Yeah. Because where time has been flying, we are already coming towards the end. But I want to come back to something that we said before we started recording, which is a very, very important thing that you do and that that I recommend people to do. And that is never stop learning. Never yes. stop trying out new stuff. Uh, is this a question or a it's statement? It's a question. I want because you, you, you. I do don't that. have a choice. I don't have a choice. I don't consider it as a big, a big event because 
I continue to learn because I I see it as something that I don't have a choice that I have to do. If I if I have to, because what I do as a profession, what I chose as a profession, which has nothing to do with what I studied at university, but it has everything to 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 do with what I've learned along the way, requires me to be up to date with information at different levels. And before you let me go, I want to tell you a great example. As I told you, when I meet people, I've traveled a lot in Asia. And as music is my one of my big loves, I became very good friends with these musicians in this hotel in Karachi, Pakistan, where whenever I heard something interesting, I would ask them and they would tell me what it was about and whatever. So one afternoon, I come into the lobby of the hotel, empty lobby, and I hear them play jazz. I love jazz. And so I was wondering, all this time I've been coming here, I never heard them play jazz. So I kind of just peeked to where they were sitting and I see this giant with them Blonde, blue-eyed, not Pakistani, playing a clarinet, and they like little children playing the drums. And uh, so I, I kind of just looked at him. You know, I I made a, a gesture. So I, when he took a break, he came to me and he says, "Is that a problem?" I said, "Yeah, sure, big problem. What's the problem?" I said, I've been coming here all this time and I never heard them play jazz. And now I see you having so much fun. I'm jealous. You're like little children. You don't care who is listening and who is not listening. But he says to me, you know, it's music that made me what I am. So I was wondering, what are you? He said, I'm the, I don't remember if he said CEO or whatever, of of, uh, Toyota. (laughs) I said, Toyota in Pakistan? No, worldwide. So I realized I met, from what I remember, the first non-Japanese who had the highest position in in Toyota, which is an empire, and his first degree was music, and he considers himself a musician. And he told me, you know why? Because as a musician, I naturally think out of the box, and that is the instrument that brought me to where I am today. Amazing. What an amazing story. And I think that's a very, very good end. I mean, I I could talk to you for hours, but nobody's going to listen to it for hours. So we have to. No, nobody. They might. (laughs) But um, you see, and you say that you don't have a choice because you have to keep on learning, even though um, even people who don't have to keep on learning for their profession, we should never stop learning and we should never allow anybody to put us in a box. Please don't close one minute. No, I want no. to say that if it becomes one of the things when we talked about schools, learning has become a burden for our children. That is why learning doesn't happen in school anymore. Not learning at the level that it should be happening. They Nobody's teaching them to love and to understand why They should love learning. Learning is not one thing. Learning is during the break. Learning is during walking with friends, going home, and learning happens in class. So that is why, for me, the learning that I do is not a burden. it's, It's a natural process. If I think of it as something I have to do, I may not do it. 
Amazing. Do you understand why? That's it. Thank you yeah. so much Thank for you. being Great on most, most memorable journeys today. Nigros Chrysostomu. Thank you. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.